I'm Tass Mellis of The Starters. This is Ben Golver with the Open Floor Podcast. Hi, I'm Kristen Ludlow from NBA Inside Stuff. I'm OJ Anobi of the Toronto Raptors. Hey, I'm Elena Donon, and welcome to the Double Clutch. Double Clutch. Double Clutch. Double Clutch. Double Clutch Podcast. Hello and welcome back to the Double Clutch Podcast. I'm one of your usual hosts, Mike Miller. Today I am joined once again by Hugh Hopkins. Sup? Sup? And Mr. Josh Coyne, how are you doing? Uh, looks like we made it. Look how far we've come now, baby. We might have took the long way. We knew we'd get there someday. I'm I'll be back. there for you. And I'm excited for playoff basketball. Playoff basketball, what a way to to start the show because we are actually in the midst of playoff basketball already. I'm looking up at my screen, which has got the game on, and I've got uh, the live score showing, yeah, 115 to 113 with 26 seconds to go, and we've decided to pod for it. And then starting, and of course, that's the Jazz versus the Nuggets, and then starting momentarily will be the the Nets versus the Raptors. So we are going... during live playoff action this is this is mad we finally got playoff basketball in 2020 amazing uh how are you guys feeling about it you excited this is this is what we're here for yeah it was uh it was such a huge undertaking to actually nail this wasn't it and i Mm -hmm. i got i got to a point where admittedly i thought the whole season was going to get called off so it's quite remarkable that we find ourselves in this situation so far they have nailed it and we are, you know, we're in the throes of NBA playoff action now. Uh, so I'm excited and uh, I'm looking forward to these great first round matchups that we have ahead of us. Yeah, kudos Adam Silver and kudos NBA. I mean, it's incredible that they've managed to pull this off. But like, to be honest, I, I've been so enthralled in the bubble. The bu- and we've had these playing games that uh, the difference between the start of the playoffs and the excitement that we've had for the past eight games, like it's. I don't really feel as if it's making a difference. I've been, I've been in, I've been here for it, you know, for the past for the past three weeks or four weeks, however long it's been, and uh, yeah, I'm just as excited now as I was, yeah, a couple of weeks ago. It's, it's amazing what they've managed to to do. I've got to admit, the last couple of games of the seeding, when everyone started to to rest and you know, as the standings got locked up, I got I got a little bit like. Ah, uh, here we go. At least it's condensed over two games rather than the last eighteen of the season, though. But definitely, they've managed to keep the excitement going. Um, let's jump straight in then with the the playoff play-in, which happened on Saturday. The Blazers beat the Grizzlies in the first ever uh, playoff play-in. This is one of the things that the bubble was sold to us on. It was a case of, you know, what's how can we boost people watching how can we get more teams involved and incentivize them to win uh we got 126 to 122 blazers win Ja morant had a career high which actually when you looked at it you, i was surprised he hadn't already hit those mm. sort of numbers uh dame had 30 plus cj had 30 plus there was drama because obviously cj's playing with a fractured back and yusuf nurkic unfortunately lost his grandmother to covid earlier that day um for you uh, Hugh, was was the playing game everything you hoped it would be? It was. Might it be the best game of the year? Like that was. It was an incredible matchup. Seeing, seeing, yeah, seeing those two amazing point guards go head to head like that. And honestly, I I tweeted about it at the time, but I'm so impressed with John Morant. Like the he, mm-hmm. the way he kept control of the game, even though you know his season was on the line. 
um, the way he kept pace, the way that he recognized when he got down the floor that there were, you know, there may have been four or five defenders back. There's no point going against it and set up the offense. But, you know, every other time he'd be shooting down the floor and, and, and scoring most times or, or, or getting off a good assist. It was, it was incredible to watch. Truly amazing game. And yeah, in, in some ways, I'm, I, I'm glad that Portland got through. I was sort of pulling for them, but in some ways, I would have liked it to go the other way because then we would have just had another another game of it. Um, mm-hmm. But it was, yeah, in, incredible matchup, and it was great to see that it was. Um, I, I guess because it wasn't part of regularly scheduled programming, um, you know, we got to see it on on Sky Sports, but it was on that free Sky Sports Mix channel, um, mm-hmm. and it was being shown everywhere. You 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 didn't struggle to find it you know if it was your first experience of watching uh watching nba basketball that, that, what a great what a great entry into the game josh is it something you hope they keep in future seasons yeah i mean there's a reason that people look forward to game seven so much and like um mm-hmm. neutral fans really kind of long for that game seven in a postseason environment and there's also a reason in other sports for example when you get to the knockout stages of the world cup in football there's a reason people get so excited about it and that's that win or go home um atmosphere people want that and if you do add that towards the end of the seasons to get people kind of hyped up for the playoffs then i think it can only be a positive uh the very strange thing is obviously the fact that statistically it's kind of international water so i don't know what will happen to that going forward but um give me more of it going forward but the game itself uh like like you said it was amazing to see someone like so young um morant the magnificent um making some plays that kind of were so sophisticated for his age i mean he was splitting the split splitting defenses with kind of the the kind of moves that you really think are maybe like three years into you, your career, you develop that by mm-hmm. working with trainers. And it's just like he's crafty. But there's also, there's just, I thought when Derek Rose went down and Derek Rose kind of became like a half version of himself, I thought we probably won't see that level of explosion from point guard. You know, I don't really count Westbrook in this kind of conversation because he's just some kind of robot. But that kind of like super springy, uh, kind of smaller guard who can really just go at defenders in the way that Rose used to do. Morant's doing it. And he, you know, it's come so soon. And I've, I've been so impressed. But the Blazers, I mean, really gutsy effort considering what they've been through the last week or so. Uh, obviously, Lillard had 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 a roller coaster of a week. Uh, but mm-hmm. CJ and, and, and Nurkic as well with an amazing effort. It was a really, really great game. Uh, and I look forward to more of it. Yeah, Joe Morant, fantastic. You're absolutely right there. And just his, his abilities transcends people who, who are no basketball, if this makes sense. I watched the game with my dad who admittedly comes to every single NBA Europe game for for the last five years, but he goes to watch the inflatable mascots, not the basketball. Mm-hmm. He'll sit there laughing at them. But he was watching Morant yesterday and he was like, who is this dude? Like, you know, He's so s- small and slender and scrawny, and yet he is flying and just so quick, change of pace, change of direction, so much spring in him. It was like this guy is a transcendent talent. He is something that the league really needs to get hold of and 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 g- promote him in a similar way they do to Zion. Mm. Um, whether he can be at the same level of Zion overall, assuming Zion hits the expected peak, 
I'm not yeah. so sure, but certainly he is one of the future stars of this league if he carries on like he started. Yeah. So uh, apart from apart from the fact that Zion was, you know, a high school phenom and on House of Highlights since he was about thirteen, like what what is the is the difference in terms of their market appeal? Like they, you, you know, they're obviously completely different bodies, completely different personalities, but um. You know, could you could you argue that one is more exciting than the other right now? They're exciting in very, very different ways, aren't they? But I do think there's a point to what you're saying. I think that we have almost been conditioned to believe that Zion is kind of the greater talent with higher potential. And obviously, in many ways, I mean, Zion's incredible. Like in, in so many parts of the game, he, he can rip the ball out of your hands and just dunk all over you. He's a machine. But there are actually more question marks around Zion still, obviously, you know, the injury, of course, kept him out for a large portion of the season. But there's deeper things than that. Obviously, his body, we don't we haven't actually seen him develop kind of um a really consistent shot yet. Um Morant, we're already getting the play of a really, really sophisticated, aggressive, explosive guard in his first year. So, you know, I, I completely agree with you. I think we've almost been conditioned. Maybe it's because he's got such a cool name, uh, that Zion is is automatically the better talent but now I, i'm not sure anyone can say that wholeheartedly yeah i think that's a fair point uh just for a quick update for you we're now in overtime 117 115 so we're we are we're <laughs> we're missing a very good game like, i've got one eye peeled on the big screen above me but donovan mitchell has 51 8 and 7 by the way guys 51 8 and mad. 7 he has turned into such a good shooter from distance like Every time I've seen him pull up in this game, he's he's hit it. I'm sure he's missed something, but I just haven't seen it. Sorry, sidetrack. <laughs> that's all right. That's all right. Um, before we move on, a quick bit of housekeeping. If you're not already following us on social media, please do so at Double Clutch UK on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. On Discord, you can come and join our server. It's discord.me forward slash Double Clutch. And that's where we talk all things basketball every day of the week pretty much all the time uh, and then if you are listening back to this and not watching us live because you're watching the game and you haven't worked out how to use two screens at once it's twitch.tv slash double clutch uk uh let's move on to the next bit then uh all bubble teams came out with uh the first team dame dame was voted as the player of the this is so it's not the mvp they're not calling it the mvp but effectively the mvp of the seeding games the first team was dame booker Luka Doncic, James Harden, and TJ Warren. Uh, Josh, have they missed anyone there? Have they got it right? What, what's your thoughts? You know what? I think they've got it spot on. Um, and by the way, I think that Damian Lillard is technically now the bubble boy. You were looking for the appropriate term. The bubble but boy. Yeah, he's the bubble boy. Um, they, they've, I think that they've been, whilst they've been very lenient in their positioning of the team, uh, which I always love it when they do that because they've put like Devin Booker is technically like the fourth, right? He's in the team, uh, he's at a four, and TJ Warren is at the five. If I've read that right, I don't know. But I think it's unfortunate for people like Chris Tapps, Porzingis, and Mike, you know, uh, Porter Jr., who have been tremendous. But you can't deny the people who got into the first team, in my opinion. So no arguments from me. Hugh, are you happy that they've got rid of positions on this? Because I certainly am. No, I, I no. did the traditional. Um, <laughs> I, I I went through the list and I had largely the same as what what ended up being the the 
uh, all bubble team. But I I threw around a couple of different names in my head for for the the starting centre, as it were. Um, yeah, I mean, Chris Stapps was was potential. Um, Anthony Davis actually has had a very solid um, eight games or seven games. He only I think he only played. Um, but I ended up settling on uh, on Yusuf Nurkic, and um, he's I mean, it, you know, that final play-in game. I know that's uh, as we said, international waters. You know, so those stats don't necessarily count towards his regular season numbers. Um, but I think he he's been in, incredible. Uh, I think he he had something like seventeen, ten, uh, four assists, and um, and he had a good number of blocks as, and steals as well. He's he's he is exactly what the team needed all year, isn't he? He's just been an incredible uh, a, a, an incredible addition, and it's such a shame that he hasn't been there for the whole season because I think they wouldn't be battling for the eighth seed. I think they'd, they'd be you know possibly aiming for home court advantage, whatever that means in the bubble. Uh, Hugh, I, I don't <laughs> yeah, know whether it's, I don't bubble. know whether it's your accent or or what, but you you pronounced Jakob Pertl really strangely there. <laughs> don't don't laugh. I did consider him. <laughs> <laughs> I thought you might. What what impresses me about Nurkic specifically though is that that not only is he putting up decent numbers, he's doing it immediately coming back after his compound fracture in his leg. Like you would expect a bedding in period. He wasn't supposed to play uh this year if the season had run correctly or you know as it was intended to. And then sort of to, to literally hit the ground running and put up these numbers and have such an impact and still throw down these thunderous dunks is quite remarkable. Especially I his can't size think of anyone well. else. Exactly. There's the, he's got the you know got people like Paul George. They came back. It took them a little while to get into their rhythm, and he's obviously another level of talent. But you know the extra weight, the physicality of his position, and even like psychologically to to trust your leg to mm-hmm. go up and do these things. That's a huge, yeah. huge thing. And emotionally, and I, like I, you alluded to, with his with his you know grandmother, grandmother. passing in in that final game. Yeah, it's just yeah, Nurkic very very impressive. So yeah, I, I can see why you, you would want him up there. Uh, so the second team was Antetokounmpo. Um, the headbutt apparently didn't count. Uh, Leonard, Car- uh, Kawhi Leonard, Karis Levert. I'm putting my teeth back in. Michael Porter Jr. and Chris Dats Porzingis. So we got more bigs in this selection of fives. Uh, any anyone else that you think should have been in as a mention, even an honourable mention, uh, Josh. Let's go to you first. I'm the very boring answer, but 100% think they nailed it again. I just, I just can't see any people that deserve it more than the people on the list. Um, yeah, I think they absolutely nailed it. And my biggest takeaway from it is that I actually wish I could see these two teams play against each other, just for the different styles against each other. It'd be, uh, it'd be very yeah, interesting. That'd be mad. Yeah. Sorry. And then. Um... Hugh, was there anyone f- from your end that you, uh, you know other than Jakob Pertl? <laughs> um, Derek I think, White, maybe. I I, th- I think actually going back to what I said about Anthony Davis, he's 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 had an incredible few games. Um, I'm surprised he didn't get an odd, but uh, but to be fair, Chris Stapps has been incredible, so I'm not gonna not gonna disparage uh yeah him him getting the nod ahead of Davis. Okay, and then and then finally Monty Williams, coach of the seeding game, uh. 8-0, can't argue with that. He's done a fantastic job with the Suns. 
and I hope they carry that on into next season. Unless anyone's got any arguments with that, I'll move on to the next topic. So I'm assuming you haven't, because I haven't heard anything. Um, so a less fortunate coach, Alvin Gentry, has been fired as head coach of the New Orleans Pelicans. Josh, is that fair? I think it's very fair. We actually discussed this last week. Um, however, we were wrong. So admittedly, I said that Luke Walton may be the first coach to go, uh, bubble coach to go. But the similarity between those two is that they both have young rosters that they've failed to maximise the talents of. Um, that's just a reality of the situation. Uh, you know, you have to develop these guys. The You know, they're, they're in a position where really they need to be kind of making steps at this point. And I think New Orleans are actually in a position where, you know, they need the best possible man manager on board. And while I like Gentry, I think he's the kind of guy who is probably still best suited for an assistant role because everywhere he's gone, he's ended up lasting kind of averaging around three years, uh, two and a half years, two years. And that's a, you know, that's a, that's uh, an alarm bell for me in the sense that he hasn't been able to make the most of the talents he's got on the roster uh, and people have had to part ways with him. So I think that ultimately his career from now goes to being an assistant again, if not out of the league. Uh, and I think it's completely fair that they've moved on and they know that they need to act now to make the most of their young roster. I, I strongly disagree, but let's get Hugh's opinion no, first. No, no, I want to hear your opinion, Mike. You, you, you were shaking You'd your head there. Yeah, shaking my head, rubbing my eyes, getting agitated. But firstly, uh, shout out to Joe Holbert uh, for his question last week and for predicting this exact situation. I think it's very, very harsh that he's gone already. And I said last week that I thought, you know, eight games, it's 10% of a, a regular season. It's not a long enough window to measure anything particularly given the unprecedented circumstances we're in now. He's 30 and 42 for this season, 175 and 255 across his five years in New Orleans. So he's 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 been there a long time, and, I, and there was a period, if you're really that interested, go back and listen to like pod 140 or something like that, because back then we were all on the time to get rid of Gentry uh, bandwagon. Um, you're right, he is an, an excellent assistant. He's the guy who designed that breakout Warriors offense, uh, which just blew the league apart. But this is this is a guy who's been given a, almost an entirely new roster this year after mm-hmm. AD wanted out last year. Mm-hmm. And we've seen Lonzo Ball evolve into a better player. We've seen Brandon Ingram evolve into you know, an all-star, uh, a potential most improved candidate. Um, just there, there are guys here that are, have, have just blossomed with him. And I get that they didn't get the Ws in the bubble, but it's it's tough and it's extremely difficult to balance your available role players and get them to to buy into a particular system and then have a star player who's inconsistently available as Zion has been this year and to try and get some sort of cohesion. And because if he was available all the time, this is an entirely different team. Mm. And then throw onto that how poor they've been defensively, and they were in the bubble without their defensive coordinator Jeff Bizdelic, who at sixty-seven wasn't after consulting team physicians wasn't by the team allowed to go essentially and and that's that's got to be a huge huge factor so i think it is a harsh harsh firing um i think do, do but, you think you that know. he's being used as a scapegoat then because whilst i personally think you know he's had five years they have been turbulent to say the least obviously mm-hmm. Agree. you know he didn't yeah. have the tools all the way along but at this point do you personally believe that the pelicans even without Zion, should have probably made the playoffs. 
It's a harsh. It's a harsh Western Conference. I understand. It, it's tough. It's harsh. Some of the other teams have, have absolutely surged yeah. across these eight games. Um, is he is he being made the scapegoat? Kind of. Then part of me is like, well, David Griffiths was appointed last about this time last year, essentially into to uh, the GM role. So maybe he wanted to he's wanted to get one of his guys in, but it was a case of well, he's already you know Alvin's already been there five years. We've got Zion now. Let's just roll the dice, see how it goes this year, and if we don't make a massive movement then we'll just can him and i'll get one of my own guys in so maybe it was a situation like that i just think uh eight games to decide your fate is is brief when you're playing with a, a shorthanded um team hugh yeah I th- tell me why i'm wrong no no you you're not wrong i don't i don't think it's entirely fair but that being said and i don't i don't think he's the scapegoat in that sense i reckon going back to what you said you know griffin's been there a year just over and um the you know you don't just come in and just fire everybody because that is not good for morale you know you you sort of take a take a look at the lay of the land figure out what you want to do next and yeah you you give the coach a chance uh, and you give the trainer a chance and you give the you know the the players a chance um and i think i think ultimately you know griffin will see something in the players that he thinks, well, I, I think maybe someone else might be a, a better, you know, person for this team. And yeah, maybe he is right. Maybe Gentry is, you know, what going back to what you were saying, Josh, maybe he is best as a as an assistant coach because he, he was an assistant in Phoenix before uh, with D'Antoni, wasn't he? Mm-hmm. Yeah, and, and then it, you know, he took that, over as head coach. Yeah, so it's... There's a number of there's a number of teams where he's been a successful assistant. Maybe that's his peak. I think he's actually very good at developing players. He is very good at offenses. Mm. Um, but I think he will get another offensive, um, uh, another lead. You know, head coach, head coach. role. Um, he'll he's very well liked in the league and very well respected. So I think if you if you've ever got a young team and you don't know what you're doing with them, I'm looking at you, Sacramento Kings. You know. You're gonna you're gonna need someone like him to come in and just teach them the basics and get them working as a unit. And I think he can do that with almost any any young young group. Yeah, I guess I guess a big difference as well is the you know um, the difference between Walton and Gentry is that for Walton there is no um, Blazers sweep series or there's 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 no kind of resume that actually you know proves at least he can make postseason. Uh, impact uh, with actually mm-hmm. a lesser roster, maybe, uh, but with a bigger star. So it'll be interesting, but I guess we can revisit this conversation when Ty Lu has Mardi Gras beads around his neck. So <laughs> we'll see. Yeah. Uh, and uh, just a quick update for you at the end of overtime, or rather at the end of the game, 135 to 125 in favour of the Nuggets. So uh, a great way to start the NBA playoffs there with an overtime game. And now we're into the Raptors' nets, and the Raptors have a 10-4 lead. Um, 
Side, side note, mentioned. sorry, side note, but Donovan Mitchell finished with 57, 9 and 7. And if that's not a smack in the face to take a loss with that, then, yeah. then what is? Well, let's dive into this a little bit more then. Let's, let's, I'm going to park the next topic briefly and we'll just jump into this. Because my concern, like, I did not expect Utah to hang in this game for that long because they do not have the depth. Mm-hmm. They're obviously missing Bogdanovich mm-hmm. with his shoulder surgery. They're obviously missing Mike Conley, who's left the bubble to be, understandably, at the birth of his child. Um, bef- Last season, what let them down was their inability to have someone step up when Donovan had the ball or, mm. or when Donovan was in a slump. There was mm. too much over-reliance on him on the offensive end. So whilst this this scoreline is fantastic and that outpouring is just ridiculous, is it reasonable that he can sustain this enough to make this a competitive series? Where is his help going to come from on the offensive end? No, they literally need someone like Ingles to take it up to a completely new level. Um, if, you, mm-hmm. if you look at the box score now, so uh, the biggest help that he got was from Ingles. Actually, Gobert got 17 and Clarkson with 18. And then you're looking at 3 3, 7 0, all the way along the box score. And you think, is it really going to take 57 to even be, and still you um, finish 10, 10 points behind? What was that, Hugh? And, and, mm-hmm. and, and let's be honest, um, I, I didn't watch every clip of the game because obviously we were just starting, but. Um, how many of those points that Rudy Gobert got do you think were, you know, gifted to him by, uh, mm-hmm. you, you know, by Donovan Mitchell? I think they he needs help, um, and it's a shame he doesn't have it this year. You know, nobody could have predicted what's been going on. I think perhaps if were were a normal season, they would be more competitive, but it doesn't look like it's going to be their year. Yeah, it's a really mm-hmm. interesting one, isn't it? Yeah. Because they need they need creators, and then on the other side, the Nuggets are like they were already in a position where you probably would have taken the Nuggets over them anyway. And then this creator, all of a sudden, you know, Mister Truther himself, Michael Porter Jr., um, uh, just all of a sudden <laughs> becomes like this kind of go-to option. So they've got a kind of luxury that ja- the Jazz definitely don't have, and that's why I've taken the Nuggets in this series. Yeah, well, we'll get on to our series predictions in a minute. Um, so there was another coach fired recently. Uh, Jim Boylan, the Chicago Bulls, was given his let's go, uh, time to leave. I don't know if you spotted that online at the time, actually, because I didn't hear much from him about it. Um, but this is this is good, right? He, he's not necessarily the cause of the Bulls' woes. He certainly wasn't the solution to it. This this is This is a good move, though, for the Bulls. Can we swear on um on on Twitch? I don't know whether we can. Um, I won't use the word that I, was <laughs> I, th- gonna... I think Kirk has um put us down as warning may contain adult content. Okay. Um, that whole situation was a clusterfuck. It's it's <laughs> it has been bad since day one, and not just because of him. He was a big problem, but ev- everything about that team has just been badly done, badly put together, badly communicated. You know they've they needed to start fresh, and the the thing is like some of those young talented players like like there is a place in this league for Kobe White um you know there are places in this league for several other of those players um I I just think the comb- that that build up in the in the in in the guard position you know there's mm-hmm. there's just no semblance of how to put a team together normally. And then when you let, um, uh, you know, when you're an owner or a GM or a president, however they've constructed it now, um, 
now that Garpax is out. You know, you can't just let a coach run wild without any sort of em- emotional intelligence on how to deal with young players. Um, he's, I think he is going to be a good coach, but this is completely the wrong team for him. Um, he needs to develop, Jim Boylan does, as, as a communicator, and uh, he does have some things to learn in that regard. But um, I don't think this will be the end of his coaching career. He will need to go back as an assistant for a little while, you know, and, and learn that, those elements of the game. But um, I do hope he gets another chance because I think he's a talented guy and he knows basketball. But yeah, not the situation for him, I don't think. Josh, he's he's gone. Are, are you? Are, for me, I, I I think this is a, the perfect timing for it. I know I know Hugh I know Hugh said earlier <laughs> that, uh, but you know it's not good to come in and clear house essentially, but. That's essentially what's happened in the Bulls front office already this summer. Fresh start, something this franchise has needed for a few years now. Yeah, well, during my time following the game, and especially since I've been kind of uh, writing about it, whatever, talking about it on podcasts, um, I've not seen a fan base celebrate the loss of a coach or at least or even member of the front office the way that they did i've got friends that are chicago bulls fans and they were rejoicing people were wearing their jerseys all day in like you would if you'd won a title they were wearing their jersey all day whilst working in celebration that their coach had gone that's how bad it was the this could probably only be rivaled in that respect to jim dolan selling the knicks but I couldn't believe when they re-signed him to that contract because he'd done very little to actually justify that. That made absolutely no sense to me. I can't believe we lasted this long and got to this point and he was still the Chicago Bulls coach. He lost the locker room to the point where players and, well, team and specific players were winning games to spite him. There were moments where Zach Levine, who had been benched and wasn't getting the appropriate minutes or wasn't, you know, being there were, there were no calls being played for him. He won a game and stared his own coach down. If you think, if that's not losing the locker room in the most significant fashion ever, then I don't know what is. He handled the media really... You know, I actually got to the point where I felt quite sorry for Boylan because I started to think, you know, they're really piling in on him. He's kind of a really sweaty, nervous-seeming guy. And when he talks, he's not very confident. And you think, I actually feel a little bit sorry for him. But then he's incredibly abrupt with the media and he hasn't earned that, Mr Popovich. He hasn't earned that. He's very, very jagged when he speaks to people. He clearly has lost the trust of his team and long time coming. And I'm shocked to hear Hugh actually say that um, he thinks he's a good coach because I just don't know what sample size you've got that from. Um, yeah, that, that's, that's a fair point. Um, I would say that um, he has shown good defensive schemes in mm. in different settings. Um also, not just at Chicago, but also prior to that. Um, I yeah, the, it's a fair point. I don't have a, a lot to go on. I just think uh, I I've seen his work uh, as an assistant and you know okay. as a as a secondary guy um, and been impressed with some of his schemes. And 
yeah, I think he does deserve another chance somewhere. Um, on Do you a, think on maybe a... in a college environment? Do you think that because he does seem like an old yeah, kind of yeah, um, disciplinarian, kind of old school, old school get, taskmaster, get out, drop down, and give me twenty kind of coach rather than like might, a really yeah, good you might be right there. Yeah, so maybe yeah. that's the that's the play. I don't know. Interesting. He kind of he kind of struck me as a a, a poor man's Tom Thibodeau in his talk, sort of the way he would take to his team to be mm. physical and conditioned and things like that, uh, which is a really lazy take. I appreciate that, but I I, I I remember he was one game they were down by like by like twenty or something, and there was only ten seconds left. And he called a timeout and he said it was a teaching moment. <laughs> Wasn't there another game where one of the players refused to high-five him? They hit a game-winner or something as they were walking off and just completely blanked his yeah, hanging out ha- arm the in the air. That's the game. That's the one where he literally yeah. shot the game-winner win- and stared him down. He did it. He was he went off because he was angry at his own coach, and that's a really bad sign. And yet he got re-signed after that. But it will be it'll be really interesting to see what happens because um, yeah, you know he. In fairness, he's had a lot less talent to work with than the likes of Tom Thibodeau. Um, but mm-hmm. if you think about what Hugh just said, that story about that learning moment, you think you're not, you know, this isn't, ni- this isn't 1981 and these players are mollycoddled from the age of five and told how excellent they are and there's mixtapes of them since they're eight years old. The reason that coaching has developed to the point where they're basically... Uh, firm but friendly with all players the reason that is the case is because that's the only way to lead these multi-millionaire man children and I don't think <laughs> I, don't, I don't think that kind of thing you know I don't think it would ever be a teaching moment for a team like the Chicago Bulls I think it would be a moment that you would distance yourself even further away from your own roster in my opinion Okay, fair enough. Well, let's we we've talked about the Bulls now for much longer than we've talked about the Bulls in many many years. Uh so the NBA 2K21 demo releases next Monday on Mamba Monday, the 24th of August. Uh are you guys excited for it? Are you going to be getting it and what platforms are you going to be getting it on? Anyone going to anyone going to stretch out for a, a next gen console when they release later in the year? I've been considering getting a console. Like I I don't actually own a console at all. Some years I end up getting um, getting the game on, uh, you know, on phones or on iPads or whatever. Um, it's been a it, no. It's been a few years since I've since I've played it properly. Um, You're waiting and... for the hardback version, aren't you? Here. <laughs> <laughs> um, I'm I'm actually considering getting a console this year for various reasons. Tony Hawk's Pro Skater being oh, one yeah. of them. Um, but yeah, I I would very much like to to get it this year uh, if I do go down that route. Um, yeah, I'm I'm looking forward. To, I think I think the what they did with the Kobe covers, um, and also um, the timing of the Damian Lillard cover is obviously fantastic. I mean, Zion was always going to be on there, but I think Lillard is a is a perfect choice um, for where we are uh, in the NBA right now. So yeah, that's. That's my take on it at the moment. I'll, if I forget a console, I'll let you know. Yeah. Um, do you, Do you think the fact it's releasing in season rather than during the off season, mm-hmm. as we build up hype to the new season, is going to impact it at all, Josh? 
Yeah, I think it could help, couldn't it? I, I know a lot of people who um, mainly 95% of their time would they would just be football fans. They're talking a lot about this bubble because they haven't got much else to talk about. Um, and I think that, that kind of, uh, they're picking up some steam. And I do think that, um, especially with the, the games actually seeming more and more like video games than ever, <laughs> the actual action, it doesn't seem real. So, yeah, I think it will help. I think the you know they'll capitalize on that momentum. I like the date. I like the twenty the you know the twenty fourth of August thing, um, but I also want to touch on something that Hugh said about Tony Hawk. Uh, tune in to the Double Clutch Skateboarding Podcast where me and Hugh are going to fawn over that for forty five minutes. But uh, I will be picking it up uh, whenever I invest in a next gen console, which hopefully won't be uh, too far down the line. So I'm excited. If if Tony Hawk still has all the hidden characters it used to, like Spider Man, then I'm in on it. The, the mad like thing it. is oh, they've, oh, they've kept all the players the same, the, all the skaters the same age, which I absolutely love. So it's a oh, bunch of, that's it's amazing. A bunch of that's dads a, skateboarding, basically. That's a mis- Anti gravity Spider Man used to be my favorite <laughs> thing in the world. <laughs> yeah. Oh man, it's going to be awesome. Yeah, you're selling me on it. I'm definitely getting one. <laughs> right um yeah so yeah next well d d aren't dc skating brand there we go we've, we've transversed genres just seamlessly um <laughs> let's move on playoff predictions have you both got your brackets or can you remember them at least uh, i can remember them right. you can remember yeah. them. we'll go <laughs> we're gonna go through them quickly we'll start out west um I just want to know who you've got winning and in how many games. Uh, we'll go to Josh first. Uh, Lakers Portland. Lakers Portland. Let me go down my list, which I have. I should really have the bracket in front of me, shouldn't I? Um, I said Lakers in six. Lakers in six. Hugh, do you remember what you've got? I'm scrambling to find it. I've, it's fine. I've got. I've gone with Lakers in five. You know what I did? I on the Slack channel. You took I, a screenshot I, on the Slack channel. I put. Um, I I put a gif of a man creating fire. Uh, The reason for that is because I had Portland in seven, I think I did. Portland in seven? Unbelievable. I am on on the the Trailblazers uh, bandwagon firmly. I mean, the the only reason they're going to stand any chance, right, is because they are fully healthy and nobody, even eight games in. CJ's got a broken back. (laughs) <laughs> yeah, every, yeah everybody. So <laughs> spinal i get that that's spinal. in relative terms that is full health for this blazers team <laughs> yeah i mean i find this series actually really intriguing i've been banging yeah. the drum mm. about the fact that the blazers are the biggest threat out of the po- possible opponents that the lakers had in the eighth seed uh but they aren't really an eighth mm. seed they've fallen into the eighth no. seed because of you know a, a, a number of various reasons like Nurkic not being available for a stretch of time um, obviously another reason is the fact that they can't fucking defend anyone um, but the, the, the Blazers they can't guard teams um, you know but if, if you were to have the discussion around the best player so if you're somebody who lives and dies by the best player in the series wins the series it, it, you know that old thing where people believe solely in that not about the squad depth nothing like that when it comes to playoff time it matters who's got the best player well guess what the Blazers actually have the third fourth fifth best player so for me a lot of the series actually just (laughs) depends on how much but not the first two no but that's two people on the court at any time you know so if you think but also 
like you you say it's not the best tool. I'm I'm not trying to be uh, blasphemous now, but I think that okay. gap isn't as great as it once was. Damian Lillard no, is in such a No, I don't think it's as great as it was. And he mm-hmm. is able to do something that I think is very LeBron-esque in the sense that he is able to bring his team up to another mm-hmm. level, uh, mm-hmm. which I think, you know, LeBron, Steph, um, maybe KD... I'd, I'd even I'd even be willing to hear arguments against KD on that regard, but there are so so few players that are able to say, "Oh, come on, team, I've got you," and actually carry carry an entire team to another level. Yeah. Um, and I think I think that's what Dame offers at the moment, even if it's not good enough to beat LeBron, who is the best in the world at it, and Anthony Davis, who's turning into quite a good player. Um, you know, I think he's. I think they they have the best one and two in the league on the Lakers, but I'm still not entirely convinced by the three through fifteen. No, I actually think you know, like I said, it truly depends on their performance. If they are firing from all, on all cylinders, then this could potentially be a sweep. But if they're not, and maybe they're getting very, very minimal help from their kind of um, group of misfits that they've got around them, then, you know, maybe we could see a competitive series. But I also think Hugh's completely out of his mind for putting Blazers in seven. <laughs> Chaos! <laughs> Come on! Let, let's pick up the pace on the next few, because we've got a lot to get through. Okay. Um, so, uh, Houston OKC. Josh, how many games did you have and who to? Houston in seven. Hugh? <laughs> OKC in six. I've got Houston in six. So I mean, okay. do you really not think? Uh, I think Westbrook being out might cause a few issues, and I think Chris Paul is going to be the most driven he has ever been in his entire career. Mm-hmm. Mm. I think this was the toughest series to predict. I think uh, in terms of first round series, I'm just going through my notes. Yeah, pretty much the toughest one to predict, and a large part of that factors on Westbrook's health, but. With those two guys on the floor, I wonder how effective and how long, if they are grooving and clicking, someone like Stephen Adams or Nerlens Noel can hang about on the court. And then, how do they? How do OKC um, pivot to to counter that? No, oh, yeah, I, I I think that you're completely spot on. I think the loss. I think it's one of the worst possible matchups for someone like the Thunder. Um, in that sense, I think that you know one of their best players is Stephen Adams, and I think that he's going to be a liability at times on the court. I mean, I guess he can be proven wrong, but he has to be able to move with this kind of free flowing offense that the that Houston have. And if Westbrook can feature for at least the majority of the series, I've got them definitely winning it. But I think it's going to be one of the most fun and potentially one of the most chippy series. Yep, I agree. Uh, next one, we've already had the first game of it. Uh, Denver versus Utah. Hugh, how many games and who you got? I think I, I had Denver going through in five, I believe. Denver in five, Josh? I had the Nuggets in six, but because of the conversations we've already had, uh, you've convinced me that Mitchell just doesn't have the help, health. So whilst I'd like to change it to Nuggets in five, Nuggets in six. I, I also have Nuggets in six because I think he can perhaps sneak two games. Although he's already had one of the monster games now, so he might be running on fumes by game five. Um, okay, Clippers versus Dallas. Uh, Josh, who you got? I've got Clippers in six. 
uh, far better roster. I think that there will be a couple of games where Doncic goes supernova and it's going to be an amazing thing to watch. But I think that the Clippers are going to win this in six. Not too many problems. I think I put uh, Clippers in five. Um, I think it's, Doncic is so hard to stop and Kristaps is on a roll. Um, and, you know, Maxi Kleber is uh, proving to be quite uh, quite a useful player. Um, I think he's un- vast, uh, amazingly underrated in what he offers this team. Um, but mm-hmm. I just don't think they've got enough to deal with the depth. Although, um, I saw something about Montrez Harrell earlier. I can't, I can't remember what it was that I read. Is he in or is he out now? He he's in the bubble working out in his room whilst quarantined and he sounds motivated. Like motivated. I, I have the Clippers in five for, for very similar reasons. I think they've just got too much talent and probably won't have much of an issue until the conference finals. Although I've yeah, we might come to that next week or another point. Um so going over to the east then, uh, Milwaukee versus Orlando. And we'll tie this in with a question from uh, from our Discord server, from the legendary Martin Dian, who has been putting up loads of nets around London as part of the Nothing But Net yeah, Challenge with Basketball England. Fantastic. Great yeah, great effort. It's, it's great seeing that. Um, but his question is, how far can the magic go? Please be kind. Josh, how far can the magic go? And be kind. You know what? Because I like him, and because of the hard work that he's been putting in uh, for the game over our side of the uh, pond, I am going to be kind, and I'm going to say that they can make it a lot further than many people are giving them. Uh, I think they'll make five games out of it. Hugh. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I th- I think they'll be. I don't think they'll be going far because when they go home in four games, they'll only be going down the road to their, their house. <laughs> I've, ri- I've literally written about a day, eight days, four games and 30 miles. <laughs> oh, sorry, Bob. So, uh, so, so, Josh, you have it as 4-1? Yes. To be fair, to be fair I, both... I think they probably might be able to... Oh, no, what am I thinking? No, it's it's, it's no. a sweep. No. Yeah. Sweep it. Um, <laughs> okay, uh, Indiana, Miami, uh, a, a beef. <laughs> but let's be honest. Possibly a beef, let's be honest, depending the if most, one of them turns up. The most anticlimactic beef. <laughs> I mean, we've had this rumbling along for several, for all, all season, and then all throughout the, the months where COVID shut down the league, and then what did it amount to? God, that was poultry effort, gentlemen. It's, um, it's when when you go to the restaurant and you're expecting some kind of nice steak, and what you get is last Sunday's leftover roast, chewy, joint thing. Um, um, pe- people are tuning into this podcast just to hear you talk about steak now. <laughs> yeah, Hugh, <laughs> uh, how many games and who's it going to? I think I did. Um, I did four two to Miami. Um, okay. I just don't. I, I think it's a shame that you know the. The Pacers are suffering with health because I think this could have been quite a fun matchup. Um, mm-hmm. But they've got a couple of players out, people returning from injury, not not, not a full health still. I, yeah, I, I mean, fingers crossed we do get to see uh, TJ go off for a couple of games and really, you know, blow up. But I don't see it. I, I, it's definitely not going to be a seven game. I'd be, 
you could convince me it's going to be over in five games, but I'll, I'll give them six. I've also got it in six, Josh. I've got the Heat in five, actually. And a part of that is just hearing them talk. They're taking the bubble so seriously. Mm. Guys like Dragic um, and, and Butler just seem so hyper-determined. They're super aggressive. They have a lot of really good shooters that I think may kill the Pacers. And, uh, you know, I think that in this series, they have the best postseason player. And I think that means a lot. Um, if Indiana has a chance... It will just take some incredible performances from the like of TJ Warren, which we wouldn't have even thought about saying a month ago. Uh, mm-hmm. But as has been proven, he doesn't fare particularly well against his uh, sworn enemy, Jimmy Butler. So heat in five. Heat in also, five. Bam Adebayo is, uh, is a killer. He's amazing. He, he is. You guys really aren't getting this. We need to rattle through it quickly, Malarkey. Sorry. <laughs> Boston, Philadelphia. Uh, Josh, I'm coming to you first. You want me to do this quickly? I want you to do this quickly. That's why I've, I've reminded you before we get into this section. <laughs> Celtics in six. Celtics in six. Okay. Oh, okay. Hugh. Uh, yeah, I think I'd, I'd put him down for six as well. I just, yeah. Well, I'm, Bill- I'm loving the Celtics more than Josh's at the minute because I've gone in five. I've got them in five. Homer, yeah, 100%. I'm a proper Boston boy. Um, <laughs> Toronto, Brooklyn. Uh, the game is currently ongoing, game one. Who have you got, uh, Hugh? I if think you need I gave a nudge, them... it's 41 24 at the top of quarter two <laughs> to, to, I, to the Raptors. I think I gave um, <laughs> simply because I just, it was a pity one game, uh, but it's definitely going to be a sweep or 4 1. Um, I just think. Uh, no, it's going to be a sweep. I I did think about giving them a game because I thought the Raptors might lose focus for a game. But honestly, the, this team is so talented um, that yeah, I've they've made me change uh, my thoughts generally about who might end up being in the finals. Okay, uh, Josh, what have you got? I think it's going to be more brutal than when Wayne Knight gets eaten whilst he's taking a shit in Jurassic Park. So I'm going to go with <laughs> Raptors in four. <laughs> I I also I also have it in four games. Follow up question that's come in from Twitter whilst we're uh recording uh from at Flying Tortoise. Listening to the ESPN coverage of Raptors Nets, is Lowry a lock for the Hall of Fame? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. A lock. Yeah, he's I think he is, yeah. I think Have you seen, seen some of the people that are in the Hall of Fame? Yeah, that, that's, yeah that's, that's, that's where true. I'm going that's with it. That's a fair point, okay. <laughs> I, I think he will... He's He's been the face of the Raptors franchise for, for quite a few years now. Arguably, he would he sort of jointly owned it with DeMar DeRozan and then jointly owned it with Kawhi. Uh, I think he's, you know, he's brought them a championship. He's been one of the most underrated and best defenders in the league his entire career. Um, and weirdly, he's turned into this sort of offensively reliable guy in the past two, two or three seasons that I think wasn't with him for the first few years. But I think his, he will end up with his scoring numbers on uh, strong, strong enough that he ends up making it. Um, but then... He will also have a couple of championships, and um, yeah, uh, maybe even a you know a, a decent sort of international um, 
wrong, maybe? I don't know. And he's, got the, he's got the all-star appearances and he's got the NBA title. Yeah. And like, like you said, the numbers, the numbers mean something to a lot of people. So I think that Carl Lowry is a lock. Okay, so let's just, let's just pinch in on this a little bit more. First ballot Hall of Famer. Probably not. That's a flat no from me. He's not first ballot Hall of Famer. No. There, there are so many of his peers. It, it, that it are depends above what him. year. It depends what year he retires. Really. It, 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 yeah. Well, yeah, when he's eligible for, yeah. for whatever it will be. I, I suspect that where he ranks in his peerage means that he won't be a first ballot. In terms yeah, of fair. second ballot, I'm still not convinced. But you guys, uh, flying tortoise, you've got you've got two locks and one meh. Uh, so. Yeah, I don't, I'm not sure what that tells you, really, other than 66% of us think he's a lock. There you go, that'll do. It works 66% of the time, every time. Um, let's move on quickly to... Uh, we've got less than 10 minutes to go, and we've got a bunch of listener quest- questions to hit. But first one, we're going to have a, a quick... We did a nonsense section a couple of weeks back where we were comparing uh, photos of members of the NBA media to superheroes. Uh, it was so successful, we're bringing it back probably one time only in a segment called Nothing But Nick's Nonsense. Uh, he's not even here to do it, uh, but it's his question. It's long been an estab- It's long been established as a scientific fact that Russell Westbrook resembles a Ninja Turtle. Fact. If you had to name which specific Ninja Turtle he is, who would you choose and why for five marks? And if for any reason you don't like your mark, we might do it depending on where you were educated or just whatever you were predicted. Will you turn okay, whatever you fancy it? I'm going to go with uh, Raphael. Um, he's the, uh, the the badass, the kind of takes no nonsense uh, and looks cool doing it. So I'm going to go Raphael. That, that is the only correct answer. So I don't know what Hugh's going to come back with here. Because even, yeah, Hugh, even if you got like, Raphael is, is, is strongly <laughs> independent, to also, ultimately to the detriment of the team sometimes, and then he has to sort of have a, a moment of awakening where he realizes he needs the other guys. Hugh, go on. <laughs> no, you're right. <laughs> does that Did does, you, does that make uh, Dan Tony Splinter? Splinter. <laughs> <laughs> oh man. I was I was I was gonna consider Donatello simply because of the colour scheme, but he's not even in a, in OKC anymore, so it it just doesn't make sense. Donatello was purple. I'm colorblind. Okay. Um if you're not already, as I said earlier, go to uh, discord.me slash double clutch and join our Discord server. Uh we're very close to hitting the hundred uh members mark, so please come and join us. Uh listener questions. We've kind of covered this already a little bit, uh, but let's get specific. Uh, JC89 said, is Dame overrated, underrated, or appropriately rated? Hugh. Hello, Josh. Oh, oh all right. Josh um, <laughs> I, I, think, I think in the past he's been underrated. He's sort of becoming that guy who everybody says he's been so underrated for so long that he actually becomes overrated a little mm. bit. But I don't think he's overrated because he is a killer. Um, so I guess that puts me somewhere in the middle and say that he's properly rated. Mm-hmm. Uh, but yeah, I think, yeah, I guess that's where I am with it. 
I wish I could do the more entertaining kind of Stephen A. Smith thing where I'm going to be a contrarian just for the sake of it, but I can't. Uh, I agree, he's properly rated at this point. That kind of conversation is so kind of free-flowing and ever-changing depending on the recent hype or the play, mm -hmm. you know, or the buzz at, the, at this very time. But as of Monday, the 18th of August, Damian Lillard is appropriately rated. But if I may hijack it just a second, what about all the Steph versus Dame talk that's been going on at the moment? Where do you weigh in on that? Uh, uh, for Steph me, Curry, considerably better player and has done a lot more in his career, but Damian Lillard is a star in this league. I, th I think that's a fair assessment. Uh, for, for me, I think he's appropriately rated. He, perhaps even a few months back, wouldn't have been appropriately rated, but he is still an all-star. He's got, he's got a 2K cover. He is the bubble MVP. Everyone is talking about him. He has led the team to the playoffs, which we make out is a massive deal when actually we've already conceded at the same time that he's on another. He's on a team with CJ McCollum and Yusef Nurkic. They're two borderline all-stars. This is not a bad team. Maybe, maybe they should be better. I get that they had injuries this year. I think part of what makes him properly rated right now is the exposure he's getting from the bubble in the fact that you know, it's an off-season, as Josh mentioned earlier, with football. More people are looking at it. It's also, as we started talking about just before the show, he's not suffering from the 2 a.m. tip times, which a small market like Portland has, where half of the eastern seaboard of the States, let alone the rest of the world, doesn't get to see him play. So I think mm -hmm. this has been fantastic for his uh, coming-out party, essentially. Um, Ginger Shack, uh, with Russ being out, Game one and potentially longer due to uh, do the OKC Thunder have a real chance of making it through? Hugh, you had them going through, so you obviously think they have a real chance. Yeah, I yeah, I, I do. I I think um, with without without that second score, I know uh, James Harden is is an absolute genius at getting people the ball um, in their shooting pockets. One of the best passes, um, I think, um, one of the best assist passes in the game right now. Um, but I think without that second option for one, maybe two games, I think they may struggle a little bit um, because it just stifles the offensive potential um, a little bit. And it means that there is so much on Harden's shoulders. And as we know, those those shoulders, they, they, they break down. I don't know whether you've seen um, a couple of Spurs highlights from the past, um, uh, from previous playoffs, but... Um, we we yeah we we did pretty well against him and uh, he 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 doesn't do very well in in the playoffs. Uh, in in his defence, which is an ironic statement for most people, um, <laughs> he doesn't have to face the Spurs this year. Hmm. Yeah, that's that's true. But um, uh, I hate you, Mike. <laughs> but that's also I mean he does have to you know we've already touched on how much of a genius Chris Paul is game management wise he does have to you know one of the most wily per people you could possibly put against and there's a bit of you know they they're they very much aware of each other's tricks uh, but I to answer Ginger Shack's question I think it will definitely hurt them but there's no way to actually answer the question until we know more about Westbrook but as you know, I took Houston in seven, so I'm going to say yes, they have a chance. I, I think they have a chance. I think it's one of the hardest matchups to predict because it's probably, like, irrespective of the, the pseudo beef between Indiana and Miami, this is kind of a game where there is a legitimate 
uh, not necessarily grudge or animosity, that's probably a strong word, but there is a legitimate thing there where they were teammates. They've all got ties to different cities. Uh, so, yeah, I, I I think they could it could make a huge... Well, it does make a real difference to it. Okay, last very last question, then we'll have to cut some out and bring them in next week. Um, from Elliot, hooping and, looping, hooping and looting. After, oh, I, can't, I can't talk and read it this time of night. Um, which teams are most heavily reliant on their franchise player or players and would come to a grinding halt if they got injured? F from my perspective, it's just about any of them. That's what makes them a franchise player. Mm -hmm. The minute they are they are hurt, that's a void you cannot fill. You have to redistribute their their uh, output across a number of other players who can't consistently perform at that level. Yeah, and I think it's a similar conversation to what we had about um, Donovan Mitchell when we spoke about them uh, in the sense that mm -hmm. teams need creators. And sometimes the best players aren't necessarily creators, but if you're going to win basketball games, you need someone that is, uh, you know, they can do something when the ball's in their hand. Uh, and I think that strangely, my answer might actually be Steph Curry, because you saw... This year, when Steph went down, I, you know, granted, Clay Thompson went down and they lost significant pieces of their roster, but he's the primary ball handler, and actually, their key pieces aren't creators in a similar way to him. And Clay Thompson's one of the best shooters in the world, but are you going to put the ball in his hand if you want to create some opportunities? You're not. Same with Draymond Green, incredible player, but he's not going to create anything. So, I actually think Steph Curry is my answer in terms of the drop off because I just don't know where opportunities come from when you haven't got him on the court mm -hmm. yeah I, I Steph's a good shout I think um you going back to what you said Mike you could say that about any team and I think an interesting conversation is what teams you know could survive uh without one of their best players you know you've got like mm -hmm. the Toronto Raptors <laughs> the Toronto Raptors the Celtics um uh I would say Denver a little bit um, I'm I'm not sure what would happen if you pull Jokic out, but um, they do have a lot of talent, um, and I think it would it would change how they how they operate a little bit. But I still think they'd be mm, quite a competitive team. So mm -hmm. I I think that's a that's an interesting look at things as well. Is like what ones could survive um, a, a first round seven game series. Yeah. Yeah. No, I think that's that's a pretty good one. There are a few teams out there, and that's that's the more interesting question: who could survive without it? Um, but that's all we've got time for this week. I'm sorry we can't get to the rest of the questions. We had a, a few other ones which were really quite good. Uh, we'll try and get to them next week if if we're not inundated with other ones. Uh, keep the questions yeah, sorry, coming. Sorry, guys. In. Mike was just over talking. So sorry about that. <laughs> keep the questions coming in. If you're not already following us, make sure you are on. Uh, Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at Double Clutch UK. We're on Discord. Come and join the server, discord.me slash Double Clutch. We've had someone join it since this has been rolling, which is always good, um, but I can't see where they are now because my uh, pop-up notifications have gone. Um, and if you're not watching this live on Twitch, come and join us. You can put us on the screen whilst you're looking at your uh, NBA playoff game. You can have us on a different screen. We had someone the other week who was scrolling. In fact, it was the legendary Ginger Shack again. He was scrolling through Insta whilst watching us. Um, so fair play to that. Uh, we are twitch.tv slash UK. Thank you for joining us. We will see you at 9pm uh, British Summertime next week. <laughs> <laughs>